Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Have you ever dream of walks without pulling, meals without begging and a home filled with peace and harmony instead of barking and chaos? So, if you are feeling frustrated with uh your friend or feeling like you are speaking different languages, then you are not alone. Today's guest knows that struggle all too well and here he's here to offer a beacon of hope so hello and welcome to healthy mind and healthy life the podcast where we explore the connection between mental well-being and the bond we share with our four-legged companions as well so i'm your host avik and today we are joined by a dog training extraordinaire yes i'm talking about brady folk welcome to the show brady thank you so much for having me here i'm so excited to be here again My name is Brady and yeah I do empower puppies, dogs, their owners just to have more success at home and around town on walks like you mentioned and yeah. have a fun time while doing it cuz I think it's super important. Yeah. So if anyone here catches himself nodding as they're listening to this, you're in the right place. I'm here to help and I'm excited to be here. Exactly. Lovely, lovely. So Brad is not just a, a average dog trainer. He is a passionate advocate for empowering both the pups and their owners to unlock their full potential and build that joyful and fulfilling relationships. So with over years of experience under his belt, he's seen it all, like from anxious pups to mischievous adolescents to uh, seasoned senior dogs needing a gentle touch so uh, i mean uh, trust me uh, folks like brady knows harmony so uh, his own journey started in a place we uh, can all relate to like frustration feeling overwhelmed and uh, maybe even a little desperate to create a peaceful life with his beloved dog so that shift is definitely perspective but uh brady is exactly what your signature keynote from chaos to harmony is all about so brady like if you can give us a sneak peek into the powerful message that you share there yeah and i think it it pays just to talk a little bit about my origin story and and how i got here because i think it is important to know that Yeah. Growing up, I grew up with dogs and they were crazy. I remember I would get home from school, I'm the oldest of 6. So when I got home, my mom would be like, "The dogs ran away again. <laughs> I don't know where they're at. We got to go find them." And so we would um 
we would go chase them down. We would follow the trash cans that were knocked over. It was quite chaotic, but we loved them. They were our dogs and they were chocolate labs and um, they always had Disney character names um, <laughs> like Ariel or um, they were um, they were just the best. But so when I grew up, when I was um, 22 years old, I decided to get my own dog. I had moved out of the home and I was like, well, I know a lot about dogs. It's going to be easy. Um, and I got him the best food. I got him. I let him sleep in my bed. I got him all the toys. I did all that type of research. I was on YouTube watching videos where I started. And after about six months, I, I needed to replace the carpet and there was some books that had been eaten and some shoes that had been eaten. The door had been clawed at and chewed on a little bit. Um, I realized I wasn't probably going to get my deposit back. And I kind of hit my rock bottom. And I was like, wow, this isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. I thought I just had to give them a bunch of love and they were kind of just going to fall into place. And that's not what happened at all. I don't know if anyone else relates to kind of getting a puppy or a dog or a rescue. And then you're like, oh, okay, now you're showing me your real colors. You know, you're shaking your head, right? <laughs> you can't get it. Um, so, and then tying back in that healthy mind, right? It starts with your mindset. So I started looking for for role models, for people who I could look up to and who were really doing it at a very high level. And I'm a big Tim Ferriss follower and Tony Robbins. And I was listening to their podcast and Tim Ferriss had on um, a woman by the name of Susan Garrett. Mm -hmm. And she's like a, 30 plus time world agility champion. She's done it with multiple dogs and she partnered with Bob Bailey. And that was one of her mentors. And I'm like, wow, this person is the person I need to learn from someone who believes in psychology and the science behind it. She's done it with multiple animals. So it's not like you just get one amazing dog. It's like, you can do this over and over again. Um, and so I started diving into all of her programs and I spent thousands of dollars and years of learning from her and as I got better at it, I started helping friends and family. And then they started referring me to their friends. And um, then I started having to learn how to market because you can be good at dog training, but then you got to learn how to do all the business parts of it. So it's, it's been a whole journey getting to where I'm at now being on podcasts and sharing these stories and tips and trips. But I'm excited to share with you um, my dream formula, kind of the, the five things that had to shift in my life to be able to go from a dog who was chaotic who uh, was eating my doors and shoes and books and all these things to a dog who's now my dream dog, who I can get to do almost anything. Um, and in a way that's very elegant, we have a way of communicating with each other. And it's, it's just a lot of fun to be able to um, have a language with your dog to get them to get you a water bottle out of the fridge or just to have a, a great retrieve and bring you back the toy or to come when called or to walk on leash or, um, there's so many fun things they can do. It's awesome. Wow, that's that's really lovely. And uh, uh, I mean, when we talk about this, uh, the dog training and all these things, people see dog training as just a teaching commands. Uh, so how do you go beyond that to build a truly meaningful relationships and uh, the connection with your uh, canine companion? Yeah, that's a very good question because dog training does go beyond teaching commands. And I ask people a lot of times what builds confidence. And a lot of the times people say doing the same thing over and over again. And I would agree. It, building confidence is showing up and having the habits and routines and 
you know what the morning of your day is going to look like, you know what the night's going to look like, right? And you can have predictability and confidence. So it's, yes, training new behaviors, but also having a routine in your day and having systems in place so your dog knows when it's dog time and when they're going to take a nap. They know when they're, how to tell you that they have to go potty because um, I have like little potty bells or I use buttons sometimes too to teach a dog to go potty. Um, they know how to come when called and they know when we're going to do some training. I use a lot of um, smells. Um, so when it's training time, I'll spray some smells in the living room um, to get them kind of like in that training state. Um, and then when it's time to just chill after the training, then they get it to be just dogs and hang out and hang out with each other and get their own social times because dogs needs their own social times with each other. And then after they get that time, then it's nap time again. And we do this routine all all day long. I do this multiple times during the day. It's what our, our day looks like. You take a nap, you we take, go potty, we come in and we do some training, we play, and then you take a nap again and we just do this. Um, so I think the first step is really being confident and having a routine that gives the dog confidence. And then through that, you, you check all their needs, right? There's a need to have a safe space. There's a need to have variety in your day. There's a need to grow. There's a need to love. There's a need to, um, to contribute. And I, I, I try to strive to hit all those needs for their dogs. Wow. That's great. So, uh, confidence so how does effective dog training empower the humans i think it empowers the humans because you're able to see a problem mm -hmm. and as you learn how to use these principles of dog training and it's just for me i use a lot of classical conditioning like abc so the trigger the behavior the consequence and our brains as humans are doing this all the time and then a lot of operant conditioning. So this idea that we're doing things for two reasons, either to avoid pain or to get pleasure. And it really helps the human because you can see your dog is doing things to either get pain or to get pleasure or to avoid pain. If they're jumping on the counters, taking stuff or they're taking your, your shoes, it's because they think it's fun, you know? So we have to show them uh, better ways of having fun um, and that's very empowering from the human point because you can see a problem and instead of getting overwhelmed and blaming your dog or blaming, you know, they're just six months old or blaming yourself, you can look at it and be like, okay, what do I need to do to have um, X, Y, or Z? If I want my dog to be more calm, if I want my dog to come when called, whatever it is, I, I feel it's very empowering to know the steps in order to get there. What do you think? Yeah. Do you have a dog? I don't currently, but yes, I had. You did? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes they're frustrating. And, and sometimes <laughs> they're, um, it's like, how do I communicate with you? And there's a few tips and tricks that once you see them, you can't ever unsee them. Simple things like even when a dog yawns or when they <laughs> lick their lips or how they shake off their energy, all these little body signals they're communicating to you and you can kind of take these things in and read them like a book as you get better at it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. True. That's true. So, <clears throat> I mean, uh, I, so what are the most common challenges people face when uh, training their dogs and uh, are there any proven strategies to overcome them? Yeah, there's a few common challenges the the first thing and i think it's the first relationship test you have with your dog is potty training um 
and I can see, I can tell a lot about an owner and their dog just by how they can, can communicate with potty training. Talking about body language, people who have kids too, I'm the oldest of six. I do a lot of babysitting. I understand the potty dance. When you start tapping your feet and you start moving, it's like, you have to go to the bathroom. Dogs do the same thing. So some owners are tuned into these things and they start noticing when their dog is sniffing or they start getting a little antsy um, and they go, okay, let's, let's go out and let's go potty. Right. Um, so that's, that's the first test, right? After that comes coming when called. That's a huge one. That's just a safety thing. And then crate training for me, crate training. It's important to have a safe space. I love my house. I love my room. I love the office. Um, I built a lot of great memories in here and I can know that I can, um, step away when I need to. And then growing up, I got, I got in trouble a lot. I don't know if you got in trouble as a kid, but, uh, I, I had to sit in timeouts and spend some time in my room. And I realized that long periods of punishment aren't very effective at all. It doesn't, it doesn't help. So, um, short um, short times to go and reflect on something and to come back, even if it's just like two, three minutes. Um, but that place should still be uh, a safe place for the dog. And my room was always a safe place for me. My Legos were on the wall, but it's a time to reflect. And the dogs also need a time and a place to go that's safe for them that they can like chill out on if something crazy happens or if they get into Thanksgiving meal or something, you have a place to put them that you know that they're safe. Uh, so those are some of the biggest things. And then walking on leash, that's like the kind of the last pillar that I, I like to tackle because walking on leash just allows you to go more places with your dog. And at the end of the day, I want them to be able to have as many adventures as you want them to go on. And one of those things that's important is taking your dog on, on leash and them being able to look at you and focus back at you. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. True. So, um, <clears throat> like on this, building the strong bonding. So, always communication is a key to any relationship. So, how can a dog owner develop this effective communication with their furry companions? Um, so, what do you say? You know, how do they develop this relationship? Is your question right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've worked with many different types of dogs from Pomeranians to Chihuahuas to Australian Shepherds and German Shepherds. And I've learned that even the Pomeranians or the Chihuahuas, they can learn on average about 160 words. And I have a feeling that your dog, maybe you won't hit that 160, but you're surely capable of hitting 30, 40 words quite easily. And I'm sure your dog already knows quite a few. And to build this relationship, it starts off with intention and having goals and having uh, where you want to go with your dog. I feel like so many people, they get a dog and they just hope that their dog's going to be better or they're going to learn these things. And I don't know about you and anything that you've ever accomplished in your life, but if you just hope for something to happen, uh -huh. did it ever work out for you? Typically, like if you if you're trying to run a marathon and you just hope that you're going to get better, it's you got to actually go out and go go start with walking and then get up to running and then maybe do a half marathon before you can go run a marathon. You can't just cross your fingers and hope. Um, or if you want to learn how to code, or if you want to learn how to draw or sing or any of these things, you got to go out and do the work, you know. And for a long time, I wanted things to be easier, but I realized that things don't get easier. 
I just got better at doing the hard things. Yeah. And as I realized the obstacle is the way, it really allowed me to build this relationship with my dog because I started looking at obstacles as opportunities to connect with my dog rather than blame them for something. I looked at it as an opportunity to grow with them and go, okay, what, what do I need to do? What plan do I need to come up with in order to achieve this thing? Because my dog is important to me. And that's the biggest thing for me with building a connection and a relationship with your dog is taking these obstacles and realizing that this is the path to a better relationship. Yeah, that's that's very. very Does that hit? Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. That's very very true. I'd say. So, uh, also like uh, the dog versus the owner. Many yeah. training methods uh, focus on uh, controlling the dog. So do you yeah. believe that there's some more balanced approach that empowers both the dog and the owner to learn and grow together? I do. I do. I look at dog training uh-huh. as there's dogs who are obedient and there's dogs who are educated. Okay. And I strive to have more educated dogs, which requires some failure, which requires some learning. Um rather than obedient is kind of this idea of control. And I'm trying to helicopter parent and control every movement that you have. But at the end of the day, that's just not sustainable. You're not going to be able to control everything all the time. So one, you're, you're finding a battle that you'll never have. And you're always going to be just trying to get more and more control. It's not the type of person I want to be. I realize that our dogs have choices and these choices have consequences. Just like you and I, we have the choice to go and go to the gym or not. We have the choice to overeat or not. This is a holiday. So I've been um, changing my perception or my procedure with some cookies and sweets. Obviously, I I like to enjoy myself, but I have a weight that I like to maintain. Uh, And so it's making sure that I'm aligned on on what it is that I'm doing so I can have some guilt-free cookies. And I don't feel like many people allow themselves to have guilt-free cookies um, because there's a balance between control and living, right? And so I want to be educated. I want to be able to enjoy my cookies, know there's a weight that I'm supposed to maintain, but also know, okay, I can eat, I can eat 10 cookies, right? I can eat 10 cookies today, okay? Um, tomorrow, that's not my rule. I'm not going to eat 10 cookies tomorrow, but today I can eat 10 cookies guilt-free. And I feel like giving your dog that education of saying, okay, this is what we're going to do today. This is the fun we're going to have. Um, sometimes there's going to be mistakes. We're going to work through those mistakes, uh, but I'm not going to try to control everything that you do, but I'm going to make sure that there's bumpers set up to make sure that you can have as much success as possible. So you don't get the whole bag of dog food, but these are the treats that we're working with. We're going to do this training. Um, You're going to make mistakes along the way. And as you do, we're going to learn from those mistakes. And sometimes I got to make the training a little bit easier. So for example, I had a dog just recently and he couldn't lay down. He could lay down if he was in his crate and he could just chill, right? But if you told him to lay down, he wouldn't lay down. So then it's like, okay, how do you teach a dog to lay down? And I use a target stick. Um, So I teach them to touch their nose to this little tiny ball. I don't have one with me, but you could teach them to touch their nose to a post-it note and stick it to your hand too. I've done that as well. But anyways, um, and it starts off by just like showing them the post-it note and then giving them a treat, showing them post-it note, giving them a treat, showing them post-it note, giving them a treat, right? 
And so as I do this, I start moving it around. And so they go to the left, they go to the right, I move it above their head. So they sit and then I give them a treat. And I put it down on the ground and they're supposed to lay down and then I give them a treat. But this dog wouldn't lay down. And so I was like, well, obviously I'm a big, strong human. I could just sweep the legs and like put them down, but that's not the type of person I want to be. And that doesn't really teach him anything. I could control him and make him obedient to do what I say when I want to say it. But again, that doesn't educate him to understand when I ask you, when I say this word, which means nothing to you down could mean the same as a rubber band ball. He doesn't really know, but down means to put your body on the ground. And so I tried with the target stick for multiple days and he, he just wasn't, he wasn't getting it. I was like, okay, so I got to get a little bit more creative. And so I got a little table and I threw some treats under there. And so he had to crouch down and go underneath the table and go get these treats. So then I started showing him, I would say down, and then I would say search and I toss the treats down. So then he'd lay down and go underneath his table. Um, and then I moved the table out of the way and I just put my feet up and then I had him crawl underneath my feet back and forth. Um, and then I was able to get him just to just lay down to realize he has to lay down before starting to crawl under the table. So then I was able to teach him down. And these are the, the little things about educating your dog and taking the time to break up this problem a little bit smaller and to keep it fun, like crawling into legs. It's, it's a fun game to play rather than someone who pushes their dog's butt down or something, which I don't recommend at all. You could hurt their hips. There's so many bad things. You're not really teaching them. You're just forcing them. Um, so I'm getting really big into how can we, educate this dog to play by the rules because we still want to get the behavior of down it's not like i'm just going to say like oh you're never going to learn down it's like no we can learn these skills we just got to get creative how we get there and i feel like anyone is able to learn hmm. wow. does that make sense yeah something different differently so it's kind of fun though right it's like yeah, i gotta get creative with how i teach these things <laughs> And every dog is different too, just like every human. So what works for one may not work for the other. True. Very, very true. It's very true. So beyond the training, like how can the principles of dog training uh, be applied to the other aspects of life, like the personal growth, leadership, train, uh, uh, team building, et cetera? I feel like this is an even better question than all the other ones you've been asking, because this is what it's really about is... Mm -hmm. For me growing up, man, there's some uh, some work, some baggage that I went through with my parents and how they raised us, us kids and all this stuff. Yeah. And I really decided to take this and to figure out a better way of learning and teaching. And so I dove into psychology and NLP and like self-improvement and habits and routines and all these things, right? Because at the end of the day, um, life is happening either to us or it's happening for us, but either way, life is working. Yeah. And by just understanding a little bit more about how the brain works, about the power of language, the power of shifting your attention, the power of blame, um, you're able to take these things and being on podcasts isn't easy. I'm sure, you know, like you mentioned, it's 1030 your time you probably want to go to bed sometime soon. Um, and it's one of those things where you got to learn how to do the hard things and then you get the rewards later. And I feel like it's so important in life to learn how to do the hard things, to learn how to 
to speak. Like I, I'm taking singing classes right now. I've been terrible at singing my whole life, but I realized controlling my voice and understanding pitches and tones is, is important. And so I'm back to being a student. So I think it's also important to always go be a student and go be a learner somewhere. And if you can just have this mindset mm. with your dog and in life that, you know, when obstacle comes up, I'm going to take on this obstacle because the obstacle is the way um, I'm going to make sure that instead of blaming things, which is obviously easier to do, you could say my dog is stubborn. And then guess what? You never have to do any training because your dog is stubborn. Oh, I'm so sorry. You have a stubborn dog. It's like, no, I'm not going to give myself that out. I'm not going to blame my dog. I'm going to say, I don't understand what to do yet. And I'm going to go find the resources to go be successful. And mm -hmm. so it's looking at where you're at, honestly, not making it too bad, not making it better than it is, but looking at it honestly and saying, okay, this is what I got. My dog is eating my doors. He's eating my carpets. He's eating my books. What do I want? I want him to be able to chill. I want him to be able to go to his crate and just settle down and not have to eat something. I want him, if he does get bored, because dogs are going to get bored, I want him to go find a toy and go destroy a toy or a chew stick or a bone instead of a book or my door, right? And so, and then once you're clear on what you want, you got to look at, okay, um, why do I want it? Because I don't want to keep, you know, I tell people you're spending money either way. You're either spending money to fix all the things that your dog is doing or you're investing money to make sure that it doesn't happen again. But either way, you're spending the money. Yeah. Um, and so I decided that I don't want to spend money fixing myself anymore. I'd rather spend the money learning new skills and new beliefs and new ways of presenting myself. And, um, I think it, if you can take these and just apply it to speaking or singing or your job or running a business or running a podcast or any of these things, it's like, don't blame things, take accountability, um, find out where you're at and where you want to go and close that gap and do the hard things because your life will be easier. Wow. Well, that's, that's true. Always. So uh, before uh, we wrap up, like, for the future of dog training, where do you see the future is uh, heading? And what are the exciting developments or the trends are you looking forward to? I see this industry heading in a place where psychology and science rules um, how you communicate to an animal. I believe that if your technique can't be used on other animals. So I have a guinea pig. I've trained potbelly pigs and goats and turkeys and sheep and other animals, cows. If your techniques don't work on all animals, they're not, they're not a principle. They're, it's just a technique that I don't like using things that isn't universal in a sense. So uh, I imagine a world where there's no e-collars, there's no prong collars, there's we're not using punishment to train and we have a, a better grasp of how to use senses such as like nose and like using incense to, to trigger behaviors, using sights, using sounds. Like I use a lot of like, I use bicycle bells um, to trigger different behaviors or like knocking on the door, um, using different sounds and being creative using sounds and just understanding the psychology behind um what's motivating the dog to do this and being able to change that motivation in an elegant way of thinking, okay, how do I train an incompatible behavior? How do I reward them when they're not doing the bad thing? 
Um, and how do I, again, change the motivation to make them love doing what I want them to do? Um, and they realize that the faster that they do what I want them to do, the faster that they get to do what they want to do. Um, it's kind of like grandma's rule. I don't know if you have a grandma that um, she's like, you have to make your bed before you can get breakfast. You got to clean your room before you can have ice cream, right? It's grandma's rule. Um, so making sure that they understand that they got to do this thing first and then they get the ice cream is very important. Wow. Great. So, um, well, that that was a positive, positively, I would say, uh, fantastic conversation with Brady. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure like our listeners are definitely feeling inspired and eager to embark on their own journeys of transformation with their furry companions. So, um, so like always remember, uh, uh, guys, like Brady's message isn't just about uh, creating a well-behaved dogs, but it's about building that confidence and harmony in both the humans and the pups. So by shifting our perspective, embracing the uh, proactive training methods and focusing on the communication, we can definitely uh, unlock the potential for truly fulfilling relationships with our canine companions. So whether you are a seasoned dog parent or just welcoming a uh, furry friend into your life, take Brady's wisdom to heart. So unleash your inner pack leader Embrace the joy of positive reinforcement and watch the tail wags and happy shies fill your home. So thank you so much.